And you know, most of all, I'm just thankful for being home for the holidays. Wow. <laughs> you know, I'm just thankful that I met Michelle this year, and now I get to spend Thanksgiving with your family. You know, I'm really looking forward to getting to know you guys. Oh, I'm thankful that someone in this family has a date. <laughs> I was going to bring a guy I met on Match.com, but after we exchanged photos, I never heard from him again. Hey, can you pass some of that turkey? Oh, it looks juicy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought it was all mine. <laughs> Boy, the traffic was a disaster coming up, huh? Oh, yeah. Nothing compared to the disaster the Chinese are going through. <laughs> what? They're still digging out from typhoon season, just in time for the bird flu to take even more lives. <laughs> I'd love some. Okay. Hey, do you guys think the Pilgrims brought a bottle of Pinot Grigio to the first Thanksgiving? <laughs> I'll tell you what the Pilgrims did bring. Smallpox. It killed scores of Native Americans, ravaging their population. And that was before we got around to shattering their spirit. Anybody here know a Debbie Downer? Uh, someone that'll come and everything's going great. The conversation seems to be flowing. And then all of a sudden they'll say something that kind of brings the, the party down. And you'll be at a restaurant and you'll be having a delightful conversation. And then all of a sudden they'll, they'll chime in and say, what's up with this wait staff? Why aren't they here? What's taking them so long? Could they be any slower? Debbie Downers have a way of, of bringing down the room, don't they? They are chronic complainers. They always see the cup as half empty rather than half full. Or the chronic complainer can be in an event and say, man, this is the most disorganized event I've ever been at. What a waste of time and money. They look for things to complain about. Chronic complainers seem to look for ways to bring others down. When people say something negative to us in those situations, we often just try to nod our heads to avoid an argument. We act like, oh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I understand. Or sometimes we'll even take part in the uh, complaining. I, I do this all the time with the Dallas Cowboys. Someone will talk to me and say, man, did you see how Tony Romo threw that interception at the end of the game? I can't believe he did that. I'm like, man, that was horrible, wasn't it? As if I could have done any better. <laughs> There's a reason Tony Romo is on the football field on Sundays and I'm here in this pulpit. In Numbers 11, we read the story of how Moses was leading the Israelites through the wilderness to, to the promised land. The Israelites began to complain that all they had to eat was manna. They wanted some meat to eat. Now, instead of being grateful for the fact that they were no longer slaves, instead of being grateful for the fact that God was providing manna, bread from heaven for them to eat every day, and they had water to drink as well, instead of being grateful, they were grumbling. And their grumbling reached such a height that God became upset with them, and eventually he sent this plague of quails upon them, so much quail that as they were eating, they actually got sick of it, and some even died. It's always easy to complain, isn't it? For me, chronic complainers are killjoys. They can kill the joy of our lives if we let them. Do you have a chronic complainer in your life today? Of course, it's not just chronic complainers who can kill the joy in our lives, is it? Unwanted circumstances can kill our joy as well. The loss of a job, the end of a marriage, the diagnosis of an illness, the death of a loved one can all kill our joy. 
In the Gospel of Luke, an angel of the Lord appears to the shepherds and tells them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus' birth came, uh, should bring us great joy because it lets us know that God is with us. And in Jesus Christ, we can see that God is also for us. So in Jesus Christ, we have the joyful good news that God is with us and for us, but we often fail to experience or to express his joy, don't we? Sure, in worship, we might express the joy of the Lord one hour a week, although chronic complainers can even find things to complain about in worship. They'll say things like, man, was that not the longest praise song ever? I'm tired of singing 7-Eleven songs, you know, seven words, 11 times. That was horrible. I've always wondered when I hear those comments, does it bother God that we sing seven words 11 times? If you look at Psalm 136, you'll see that they actually there are five words, his steadfast love endures forever, that show up 26 times. So I'm not real sure God's upset if we sing seven words 11 times. What God's most, focused, most uh, concerned about is are we focused on him in our worship? The question we should ask of worship is not whether or not it made me feel good, but was God honored in that worship today? Now, I know in our life we all have personal preferences, but before we start complaining, we might ask ourselves, does this bother God or does it just bother me? Based on what Scripture teaches, should I complain when I have to wait in a long line? Should I complain that if I attend an event that seems unorganized? Should I complain if I have to sing an extra refrain to a particular new praise song? Do these things bother God, or do they just bother me? If they don't bother God, we probably shouldn't complain about it, should we? As Christians, we should be people of joy, great celebration. I mean, we have the greatest gift the world has ever known in Jesus Christ, His Son, our Savior. And in Christ, we have the assurance of eternal life. Yes, no matter what problem we may face, we know that this too will pass, that we're on the winning team. We should be celebrating every day, but often we don't. If we want to be the kind of people who exude the joy of the Lord, if we want to know what it means to reflect God's joy each and every day, then I invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. It may be found on page 1147. Listen to the word of the Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me... You can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Be it by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. 
Here in the reading of God's word, as the prophet Isaiah tells us, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me as you pray. Holy Spirit, please speak through me. The words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts might be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your Son's precious name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. I am the true vine. And for Jesus to say that he is the true vine implies that there's a false vine or a fake vine, one that's not real or one that's not producing. And as Karen read just a moment ago, in Psalm 80, the people of Israel are called a vine that God led out of Egypt, that he's planted, but it's no longer flourishing, it's no longer growing because of their disobedience. Jesus, on the other hand, has lived in his perfect obedience to our Heavenly Father, and so Jesus has proven to be most fruitful. Throughout his life, Jesus bore the fruits of the Spirit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus is the true vine, the vine that brings life, and as followers, we are his branches. As Jesus explains in John 15, verse 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. John Calvin, the father of the Presbyterian denomination, explains this passage by writing that the general meaning of this comparison is that we are by nature barren and dry, except insofar as we have been engrafted into Christ and draw from him a power which is new and which does not proceed from ourselves. As Presbyterians, we recognize that we are so sinful that left to ourselves, we are prone to wander from God. On our own, we will not naturally follow and obey God. We need God's help if we hope to be obedient to God's word. We need to abide in Jesus because in in our relationship with Jesus, we will be moved to obedience. And goodness, and goodness comes ultimately from God from Jesus. So how do we abide in Jesus exactly? Let's look at verse 7 of our text this morning. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. As we seek to center our lives around a loving relationship with Jesus, we should spend time reading, meditating, and praying God's word. As we prayerfully meditate on God's word, then as Jesus states, his word will abide in us, and we can ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, does that mean that if I ask and pray for a bicycle, God's going to give me a bicycle? Not exactly. It means that if I abide in Christ, and I focus on his word, then his word will begin to move in me, that I will begin to pray God's word. And as I pray God's word, I am praying that God's will will be done And it will be. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. If we want to be fruitful in this life, then we need to abide in Christ. We need to center our lives around a vibrant relationship with Jesus, where we read, meditate, and pray his word each day. As you read, meditate, and pray God's word, we will naturally be moved to obedience. You see, reading... Meditating and praying the scriptures help us grow in our knowledge of God and help us grow in our relationship with God. As we grow in the knowledge of just how much God loves us, that he sent his son here to this earth to die for us, then out of gratitude for what God has done for us, 
we will naturally seek to obey. We will seek to put his word into action. Yes, as we grow in our knowledge of God and our relationship with God, we grow in our love for God as we realize all that God has already done for us in Jesus Christ. And in growing in this love for God, we're naturally moved to obedience. And it's in obedience that joy is ultimately found. As Richard Foster in his best-selling book, Celebration of Discipline, writes, in the spiritual life, only one thing will produce genuine joy, and that is obedience. Rick Warren, uh, author and pastor uh, of that great book, Purpose Driven Life, says it this way, the secret to continual, abundant, and overflowing joy is obedience. It's doing what God tells you to do. Every time you do what God tells you to do, your life's going to be filled with joy. As I talked about last week, if we want to uh, experience the peace of Christ, then we've got, to, we've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. We've got to believe what the Holy Spirit is saying, and then we've got to obey. In obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit, we will find joy a joy that is, in, that is complete. And of course, the Holy Spirit speaks most clearly to us through his inspired word. It says we read and we meditate and we begin to pray God's word, then God will speak to us and we'll hear very clearly what it is God is calling us to do. And we'll have an unspeakable joy as we seek to live out God's call in our life today. When I was a college student, I went to uh, Trinity University in San Antonio, and I went to the First Presbyterian Church in San Antonio, uh, and as many Sundays as I could as a college student. Uh, anyway, when I would go to church, uh, I would notice there was this man who would always drive his uh, wheelchair up to the very front of the sanctuary uh, named Duncan, and he would sit there right in front of the pulpit so that he might hear God's word proclaimed to us. One morning, our college director invited Duncan to come and teach our class. Now, Duncan was a 30-year-old man. He was single, uh, but he had MS, multiple sclerosis, and so he was uh, bound to a wheelchair. And Duncan began to tell us his testimony. And what amazed me about Duncan's story was that throughout his story, he had this great joy, despite his uh, suffering from MS. He told us that when he was in college, he was actually on the water polo team. He was a great athlete, but however, he contracted multiple sclerosis. And so in the midst of that uh, diagnosis, he decided to graduate from college, and then he went on to seminary while he could still read so that he could learn God's Word and perhaps be used by God in the midst of his disease. Well, the multiple sclerosis continued to uh, advance, and he was bound to a wheelchair and unable to continue to read, and he knew he could not work as an associate pastor in a church. And so he took a call to become a chaplain in a nursing home, where not only he was ministering, but he was also living as a resident among those in the nursing home. It was amazing, as Duncan would tell his story, how one thing would, would happen to him, and it would sound so horrible to us, but he would just see how God was in it, and how God was guiding him to his current call as a chaplain in a nursing home today. Now, one of my classmates asked Duncan, how is it that you can be so positive? And Duncan said, now that I have MS, I don't focus on what I can't do. I focus on what I can do and how God can still use me for his glory. Wow. If we all had the outlook of Duncan today, who didn't get angry when things didn't go his way, he didn't complain. He simply thought and prayed about how God might continue to use him despite his circumstances. If Duncan can have the joy of the Lord, so can we. Joy is found in obedience, and obedience comes through a loving relationship with Jesus that we foster through reading, meditating, and praying the Scripture. 
If you'll notice in our text in John chapter 15, verse 10, it says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my joy, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Right before Jesus talks about having joy, he talks about obedience. If we want to experience the joy of the Lord, we've got to be obedient to God's call. We've got to seek to live in obedience to his word. And by ourselves, we're never going to be able to be obedient. But grafted into Christ, guided by the Holy Spirit, led by his word through taking the time we need each and every day to read and to meditate and to pray his word, then we will naturally seek to be obedient, and his Holy Spirit will empower us to do so. Now, as a part of our time together in that Sunday school class, I asked Duncan if there was a favorite scripture that inspired him to to continue to press on, to continue to, to be so strong in the Lord. And he confessed that while he could read, he wished he had spent more time reading God's word and focusing because his multiple scrolls was so bad that his eyes would stir and they couldn't, couldn't focus for very long. But he did share a favorite verse that he has that he, he meditates and he, he recites to himself every day. And it's Philippians three thirteen to 14. Where the apostle Paul says, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. When Duncan, a man suffering with MS, said those words to me that day, I wrote them down and I put them to memory. Because if Duncan can be inspired by these words to press on, I know that I too can be inspired to press on. Centered around a loving relationship with Jesus, may we take the time we need to read, meditate, and pray the scriptures so that we can press on in obedience and experience the joy that Jesus came to bring. Now, if you find that you tend to be quick to criticize, if you're burdened by a critical spirit and you lack the joy of the Lord today, then I would encourage you or any one of us to turn to Psalm 136. I mentioned it just a moment ago. It, does, it is a bit repetitive, but it's still inspiring nonetheless. Let's look at Psalm 136, the first five verses. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 136 reminds us that God's steadfast love endures forever. And so we have so much to be thankful for. Psalm 136 reminds us that God has created everything, and all that we have is ultimately a gift from God. And your daily prayer life, do your prayers tend to center around supplication or thanksgiving? If we'll begin our day with thanksgiving, thanking God for all that he's already done for us, thanking God for what he's given us in his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, then we too will have the joy of the Lord. For we'll be reminded of how God loved us so much that he sent his son here to this earth to pay the price for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God, so that we could have a right relationship with God, so that we could have the assurance of eternal life if we simply believe in him. Out of gratitude for all that God has done for us, then, then we will seek to live in obedience to his word. In obedience, we will find the great joy that Jesus came to bring to each one of us today. Yes, the good news of the resurrection should bring us peace and joy, knowing that all the pain and suffering of this world will one day pass away, that whatever is frustrating us in this moment is simply temporal. 
If we want to exude the joy of the Lord, we need to take time every day to remember what God has already done for us. We need to take time to, to read and to meditate and to pray His Word so that we might be guided by His Spirit, so that we are equipped for obedience. And in obedience to Christ's Word, we will bear the fruit that He came to bring to each one of us. Fruits of the Spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's as we set our lives around Jesus Christ and take time each and every day to give thanks to Him, we will have the joy of the Lord as His Spirit leads us into an obedient walk with Him. May we take the time we need this Advent season to read, to meditate, and to pray His Word so that we might bear the fruit of the Spirit He's calling us to bring. We might bear the fruit that will last as we're connected to the vine of Jesus Christ. Please join me as we pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that you're a God who is very much with us, and you're a God who has proven to be for us in Jesus Christ. We give you thanks for your amazing love. We give you thanks for the joy that we have as we seek to live in obedience to your word. We know, Lord, that on our own efforts and by our own will, we will never be obedient, but we need your Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us into truth and to guide us and to lead us to bear the fruits of the Spirit you've called us to bear like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Oh God, the next time we become critical of others or critical of circumstances, may we take the time we need to give thanks to you. Thanks for all that you've already done for us in Jesus Christ, who came to this earth to be for us the way, the truth, and the life. Oh God, we thank you for the love that we have in you and the joy that he have in you as well. Oh God, we pray that by your spirit you would guide us this day and every day so that we might exude your joy and your love in all that we say and do. We pray this in the strong and precious name of your son who is the Christ. And all God's people said, amen. In response to God's amazing grace, let's continue our worship by giving God's tithes.